Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis. I'm a marriage and family therapist and licensed professional counselor trained in trauma and addiction. The Asking Why podcast is for anyone on a journey of healing and restoration. If you are searching for answers to life's questions and want to learn more about root causes from a psychological and theological mix, this show is for you. In this podcast, myself and a co-host from Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness will interview guests on a wide range of topics in order to get down to the heart of the problems facing our world and understand why things happen and how to change the world and ourselves for the better. Want to learn more tips and tricks to living a healthy lifestyle? Visit us at Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to meet our staff or book a speaker, go to clintdaviscounseling.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe today. Okay, welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis. Uh, this is episode 63, and I got my man, Haseem Jones, back on. You guys have seen him on here if you're a follower or a listener two times. This is the third time, I think. Um, and Haseem and I have been friends for a long, long time. So he's a therapist here at Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness. Um, but tell tell the listeners a little bit about you and who you are and what you do. And Well, first, Clint, it's just good to be back on the show and just have these conversations with you. I've always get such good feedback from not only my clients but just friends in the community when they hear what uh, you have to say and what the other guests have to say so i'm just happy to be back on go back on with you so absolutely uh, for me i'm a therapist here at clint davis counseling um been here since uh what 2018 mm-hmm. man i'm uh, og that's right <laughs> well og now so yeah. um but i've been doing therapy uh working with with kids since about 2009 2010 um I mean, I love working with the youth because I feel like they have so many uh, concerns that as parents, we don't necessarily know how to answer or mm-hmm. we don't know. We, we kind of become disconnected from the, our youthful selves. So and things just change like we got technology. So parents are just 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 struggling to try to understand and manage and take care of the household. But with kids and this technology and things fast, you know, fast paced moving, it's, it's a little bit different. So. I'm um, just happy to be here, man. Ready to get into it. That's right. So you're an LPC, and you, um, what else you got? You got any other creds that I need uh, to mention? Just CSAT. Yeah, um, CSAT. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So certified sexual addiction therapist. Mm-hmm. So he works with many of us to uh, help kids and adults with pornography addiction, affairs, sexual trauma, uh, things like that. So absolutely. Um, why did you want to become a counselor? Um, I honestly felt like that counseling was something that was that I was gifted with the ability to empathize, understand and want to know why. Like I, that's that's what I just tell people. Uh, I've always wanted to know why people make the decisions that they make or why we're in the predicaments that we're in the, uh, that we that we find ourselves in. So um, it, it was like a natural um, sort of natural just just career path that I felt like I was chosen to do I didn't I didn't have to when I went to schools like I, I tried physical therapy mm-hmm. and then I just got tore up by like biology and anatomy <laughs> and I was like this is not it it's not it <laughs> so then I, I was like okay thing. let me let me just go to what I know like I really do enjoy working with people and communicating and helping people solve problems that's just something I've always done whether it was middle school high school just being a a peer mentor on campus or whatever it was something that was just natural for me and, and i enjoyed so yeah I just stuck with it well we met at uh easter seals uh when yeah, i stepped God. in there it was a long time ago now mm-hmm. it's 
2012, probably 10 years as long. 2010? No. 2010. Yeah, yeah. Like 10. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So it's been 12 years that we've been knowing each other. Yeah. And I walked in the office and sat down in this little booth and Hasim was in there. Was there another person in the room? I think so. But anyway, mm-hmm. I just remember you being super warm with me and, and super kind and we connected mm-hmm. right off the bat. And yeah, it, it was a great friendship since then. Yeah. Um, we used to come over and play uh, Call of Duty. Yeah, I know. Back before kids, back yeah. when we could had time to play games exactly. and hang before, out and, way before kids yeah just playing playstation that's right <laughs> the, the good old days absolutely <laughs> absolutely oh man um so yeah so about what four years ago is when well we talked to six or seven years ago we went to uh lunch yeah we went to lunch and was like just talking about what we could do together and how mm-hmm. starting the practice and all that kind of stuff and then you came over so mm-hmm. man it's been cool to see just what god's done in your life as a parent as a friend the work you do here. So I'm absolutely. I appreciate you. glad you're here. No, I appreciate you, man. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, so what did you learn growing up? So, so our, our topic today is feeding off of last week. I did this talk on success and me and you've talked about this a bunch of times. And every time we talk, we're like, we should have recorded that. Cause that's what we get into. Mm-hmm. So what did you learn about, uh, kind of as a child growing up, what did people teach you in our culture that, that would make you happy or would make you successful? What do you remember about that? Um, it it was a whole bunch of like it, it was mixed. It was a mixed bag of of things. When when I thought about the idea of success, um, I always thought in my mind I just wanted to be successful. I didn't have a, a just general idea of what that was. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was big on education, so academic success was of course the first priority. But I wanted to make money. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to establish myself, take care of my family, even have a family at that time. So whatever that looked like, um, that's what I wanted to do. So when I went to school, that's why physical therapy stepped out, you mm-hmm. know, stuck out to me. I'm like, okay, yeah, they make pretty good money. I was playing football at the time. I can always stay around the game, but it just wasn't my fit. So when I moved over to um, psychology, I was like, okay. I see what the career outlook looks like. like. You're not you know, gonna make no money. Yeah, you're not gonna make anything. <laughs> but I was still, I was happy there. And yeah. what I what I eventually learned is that success truly means happiness. Mm. What makes you happy? What makes you feel content in your existence? We 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 spend so much time trying to chase what this idea of success is. And your idea of success, my idea of success, it's all it's completely different, and that's okay. But uh, for me, growing up. Success was going to church, being involved in the community, um, making good grades, staying out of trouble. Um, and my mom always said this, not becoming a statistic. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want you to be a statistic. So I, as long as I did those things, I was going to be successful in her eyes. And that's really what I cared about. Yeah. What do you what helped you along the way? Like what were the benefits that you felt like were kind of landmarks of like, OK, I'm achieving this success that I'm that I'm looking for? Um, it was honestly other people, you know, other people acknowledging what I was doing and, uh, receiving accolades and, uh, being in leadership roles and different, you know, organizations in, in high school and middle school or whatnot. So my mom kept me very active. I was very involved as a kid. And so I, of course I did the sports and whatnot, but I was also involved in student council, youth and government, um, FBLA and I would I was like a leader in, mm-hmm. in in these groups that I was a part of and Boy Scouts. So 
being involved in all these different organizations and seeing different leadership styles and what other people uh, saw that w what was important to them and how they lived, it helped me kind of conceptualize what I want for my life, mm -hmm. you know, and how I wanted to live my life. So my mom was just super uh, adamant about just getting me involved and exposing me because we didn't have a lot growing up. So she was she was big on exposure and like and trying to just get me to see that there's another world outside of these four walls that we have right here. There's other people that's living, that's thriving, that's successful, and they're successful for different things. So that's something that uh, I really admire, you know, about her and that helped me kind of figure out what I want to do for my own personal success. Yeah, that's awesome, man. What um what do you see in teenagers today? You work with a lot of kids. What do you see as kind of the narrative in American culture? Last week I talked about kind of the American dream and how for our generation, right, success was making good money mm -hmm. or getting a, a, a degree in something which would then produce good money, which would then make you happy. And I kind of pulled back on that saying, mm -hmm. well, ultimately that's not going to make you happy. You can have all the money in the world. Absolutely. But success is – you know, health and, and the things we, you just mentioned. Um, so what do you see? Do you see a shift from when we were kids, the, the generational shift in what is success, the American dream, you know, have a house, white picket fence, two kids, a dog, and you'll be fine. Do you see that differently in the teens just, you see? Just, just based off my clients. Um, some have that, I'm going to say traditional idea of what success is. And then I also see kids that are just trying to survive. Like literally we just came out of a pandemic. This is something completely new that shifted their entire world and they had to make accommodations and adjust. Um, and that's one issue within itself. But then when you think about everything that goes on in the news, now we're about to face a recession, the gas prices, then politics and all these other things that's taking place. What I'm saying to kids, kids are just trying to survive. They're trying mm -hmm. to figure it out. They don't know what's coming next because there's from year to year, no stability. So for us, when we were growing up, we kind of knew, you know, things wasn't going to shift too much. It was going to be kind of the same. You know, I think the, the biggest outlier that I can remember uh, when I was a was a kid was 9-11. Like, that was the thing. Mm -hmm. You know, when 9-11 hit, the whole world stopped and everything changed, so on and so forth. But for the kids now, it's, it's something that's just as impactful happening every single week. Like, yeah. there's weekly something that they're having to learn about or adjust to or, or recognize or they're being traumatized by. And, of course, there was trauma going on back when we were, were growing up as well. But I feel like it's so much more prevalent and ongoing and they're just trying to survive. So when I'm thinking what they think about success is just trying to navigate what the new change is going to be. It's almost, almost, it's almost like as if they've uh, kind of become more skeptics, you know, they're more skeptical about the future and what's it going to be. And is this thing or even look the same, like yeah. this thing that I feel like is important. Will that truly be important? Because you're, you're seeing like what, what we thought was good paying jobs. Like I, I we couldn't make it if we were making, you know, five dollars. Remember, we, I mean, I made five dollars and fifteen cents an hour working at McDonald's. And Piggly Wiggly, son. Yep, same exactly. Thing. Yeah. So it's like now that can't even you can't, even can't drive. even get a gas. Of, like you can't even get a tank of gas. Like just a gallon of gas. You can't even get, <laughs> hardly get a gallon of gas with that. So these kids are now just having to evolve and understand. And just, I think they're truly. 
probably the best chameleons because they're having to adapt to every single situation and they're just trying to make it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's leading to all the anxiety and depression and suicide and, and, uh, you know, cultural issues that we're seeing where they're trying to find their identity in all kinds of different ways Mm -hmm. and they're lost. Absolutely. That's what I, that's what I see is the difference between us. I think we were lost in, like I talked about last week, if you guys listen to the podcast, you know, we got lost in the, the idea that, you know, grades, degree would bring success and in our there was a shift right i mean i think getting a bachelor's when we were getting bachelor's was a huge deal yeah it wasn't that you had to have a master's but Absolutely. nowadays a bachelor's is nothing mm-hmm. a bachelor's is just another high school diploma yep. you screw off the first two years most kids waste their time switching majors mm-hmm. average of seven times before they finish you know undergrad and then they get into a master's degree and they figure out what they want to do mm-hmm. but you're looking at a hundred to hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of debt Right. I mean, I've been out now since 2010 and we're supposedly going to pay our student loans off next month for the first time, which is a huge, you know, a huge mm-hmm. thing. But it took a really long time of working a lot of jobs because, as, as you know, when we were working at Easter Stills, you know, $36,000 a year ain't cutting it. No. You know, and and that was when gas prices were two dollars. Two dollars. Exactly. You know, I, I saw somebody post yesterday. I'll never complain again about two dollars and 50 cents, you know, gas. Absolutely. But. The reality is, is that things have shifted so much since we were kids um, that these teens, like you said, they're in complete chaos. I think the other is media. You mm-hmm. know, we didn't know what was going on. Uh, when you were talking, I was thinking about being 9-11, and then I was also thinking about O.J. Simpson trial. Yeah, you had 9-11, Columbine, O.J. Simpson. Right. That was the thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, you that's know, the those, were, those were the things that kind of just stood that's out. every week. Now, now every single week we yeah. just had this Johnny Depp thing yeah. you know, uh, going on, but it's every single week they're inundated with trauma, with anxiety, with fear, and what I, what I'm seeing is, honestly, I feel like these are probably this generation of kids are going to probably be our most resilient because they've had to experience and go through everything, and I know the older generation probably doesn't see it that way because mm-hmm. they believe that these kids are more like want to want everything soon and quick and fast. Um, but they're going to be some of the most resilient. But you're also going to have a demographic of them that's just hopeless because yep. they're being overly stimulated with fear and anxiety based on what the news is saying. And so I think it's both, right? I think resiliency comes from doing work. It doesn't just happen. Absolutely. And so the kids who get in therapy, the kids who do some work, the kids Mm -hmm. who take this over the course, like the kids you see, the kids I see, the people we see, they're a mess, but they're getting better and building resiliency through the work, through finding truth, finding an identity that's healthy. And then there's going to be the large majority of the population who doesn't get any of that help Mm -hmm. and the trauma that they're experiencing isn't going to build in them resiliency. It's going to build in them disassociation, depression, anxiety at at levels that I don't think we're quite prepared for five years from now. Mm -hmm. You know, I look at what is it now? 2022. I look at 2025, 2026. Mm -hmm. And if everything continues the way that it's continuing, we got a big, big problem on our hands. Absolutely. And that's what I want people to realize. I don't want people to be hopeless, but I want people to, if they have kids, if they're involved with kids, if they're dealing with teens and they're looking at our culture to remember that those kids are going to be adults very, very shortly. Absolutely. And if they don't get help, if they don't get therapy, if they don't do work, it's not enough to just let it pass by. Yeah. So we growing up, um, just mental health and therapy just wasn't a thing. No. You know, we, we, that's, that's something you did if you were quote unquote crazy or something like mm-hmm. that. But 
I do see a shift now. I do see a lot more parents that are more adamant and more knowledgeable about mental health that are coming in and getting their kids help. And that's beautiful. Um, And then now that those conversations and those parents are doing it, of course, more parents are are talking, you know, and then kids are talking about it. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of it. Like I'm seeing more kids talk to their friends about anxiety and knowing how to recognize it and what they do for their depression and the their whole coping mechanism. So when I when I hear that, I'm ecstatic. Absolutely. You know? um, and and when I say I hear, like I'm talking about just on social media, like I'm seeing the kids talk about this stuff. Like yeah, that's it, the it, cool that's the cool double edged sword, right? It's absolutely. like the same thing that's killing them. Some of them are using to put out good content and good information. Absolutely. It's just the bulk. Yeah. Is so negative. That's what's mm-hmm. so hard about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, we find our hope in, and there are people that are fighting against it and working against it. And I think we'll see a shift, um, hopefully. Absolutely. I mean, it's one way or the other. No, I mean, it's, it's I think it, it has to happen. And, and I mean, the culture is going to continue to change. The, the, the conversation is going to continue to change. What we think right now today is going to be an issue in three years probably won't even be on the map because it's going to be some, something completely different that we have to adapt to if if somebody would have told us in 2018, be prepared to be in your house for an entire year, we'd have looked at them crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, we, there's no way that we could have prepared for, for, for COVID and the pandemic and so on and so forth. But these kids have weathered the storm and they're continuing to adjust just through school, through distance learning, through um, fi- figuring out how to just be like cordial and be around people. I mean, you you had a uh, uh, an entire group, and our kids are in this, mm-hmm. of like three and four-year-olds that need social interaction, that didn't get it for their own personal development for the year of 2019. Well, no, 20, 2019, 2020. They just didn't get that social interaction, and mm-hmm. I'm, I just would, I'm, I'm waiting to hear to see what those studies look like for those kids that weren't able to get that peer-to-peer interaction oh, and, yeah. and what their development looks like. So but we're already seeing it in schools as they've come back, mm-hmm. you know, the consequences of being isolated for a year and a half. Yeah. 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 It's, it was wild, man. Absolutely. Um, I, th- I think that one of the things you're pointing to is when, with resiliency, um, I think the cool thing that I've noticed that's a shift in success for these kids is when we grew up math, biology sciences was like what, where it was at, right? Mm -hmm. Industry. You've got to learn these things. You're never going to make any income. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really cool to see, uh, teenagers, young adults be able to have an Instagram page, have a music thing, have an art thing, have a, their own personal stuff and make some income. Absolutely. Entrepreneurship. Yeah. That's where, where we didn't, I mean, we had, so I sold candy. Uh, let's say lemonade stand, baby. You know, like, we, yeah. it was the idea was there. But they took it to a completely different level. If you look at uh, Alex, <laughs> for me, instance. Tell me your candy story first. I'll so, like, no, no, I sold candy, man. Like, I was I was that guy in high candy school man. walking around with a, uh, with, a, with a backpack and then, like, a track duffel bag. And it was full of just Twix, Skittles, juice, chips. You know what I'm saying? And, and it, I was, I've always felt like I've been an entrepreneur, a hustler or something like that because I just didn't have a lot. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't about to do anything illegal. But, man, if I can go to school and make $40 a day, oh, yeah, I'm good for the weekend. I can go afford anything I want to afford at that time. That's big money. So these kids now can just get on YouTube and become millionaires. Mm -hmm. So you got my my daughters watch uh, Alex uh, and uh, Sakura and Safari, I think that's their name. 
Um, but there's so many kids that's just on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and just killing it, you know, monetizing themselves. So um, that is a shift that took place. You can you can become a millionaire just by sitting in, in the house. And that wasn't a possibility for us. Like right. if you didn't get out the house and go work and become something and be successful, you were going to be looked at as a failure. But now you can sit up like this, get your microphone, get your backs, get your screen and get your light. And now you can make millions. So these kids are really learning how to navigate these waters way better than I think we would have because we just didn't have access. We didn't grow up on an iPad. Absolutely. You know, so. And I think, again, the put, the put, I agree. Um, and I love that aspect of it. The pushback I get or I'm giving and the, the worry that I have is, again, with the conversation of success being because you have followers, because you're making money, Absolutely. because you have content, mm -hmm. that somehow that's going to success isn't in those numbers. It's in how do you feel emotionally about yourself as you're doing these yeah. things. And I think that's the missing link we have is that we don't have in our culture parents, adults who were because we didn't have it. Mm -hmm. Right. We didn't grow up with it. We're not, we don't have a model for them to keep their mental health sane. It's almost like, and I'm thinking about this right now, it's almost like child actors, mm -hmm. right? How'd that go? You know what I mean? Like we look at child actors and we go, man, these get, these people, you know, they were so successful in these children's movies and they became stars and we, mm -hmm. they, you know, they came from the Mickey Mouse clubhouse to, to successful, uh, sync or to a movie or to mm -hmm. Disney or whatever. Absolutely. But how many of them? ended up with mental health issues, suicidal behavior, suicide, sexual yeah. abuse, the large, large, large majority. Yeah. And so my worry, right. And not even a worry. It's a fact. Mm. We see these kids on YouTube. Uh, what's the kid's name that sells like the eggs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the Asian kid. That's not Alex. No, it's, uh, he's in uh, target and everything. I'll, I'll be mad that I can't I'm think telling of you it. it's Alex. Uh, maybe. Uh, it's Alex, dude. Okay, I'll, I'll, look, I'll <laughs> Google Alex. it. Uh, but he makes like three point two million dollars a year. Or definitely something. Alex. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's crazy, but like I'm, I'm still concerned about his mental health, mm -hmm. right? Because if that's not, it's like a, a a college. I mean, a high school athlete going from high school to the NBA. Mm -hmm. They all lose their money. Yeah. Because there's no, there's no in between on teaching them how to use that, and that's what I see as a problem. Is like. We glorify it's with these pendulums. We glorify it, but then we're not looking out for the child who isn't emotionally mature enough to see that success isn't the followers and the likes and the what what's going to happen is people using them because of their success to piggyback onto it. Does so that that's sense? the same thing we experience as kids. Uh huh. That's why we were pushed to to go to school and go to college and to go get this this better life. But nobody ever talked to us about our emotions and what was going on and whether or not we could handle that success. Yes. So can we handle this money? Did we have financial money management skills? Nobody no. gave us those things. You just was told to go make a billion dollars a year after you get this bachelor's degree, and then <laughs> your life's gonna be you know your life is gonna be perfect. Yeah, um, we should have had way more home ec classes. Absolutely. Taxes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, no, I get it. And and so my concern is when I see, um, and this is not just an Alex Digg or anything like that, those parents are putting those kids out on TV, on, on the television. And yes. then also in sports, you have some parents that are trying to relive their own personal careers, like whether it was an athlete or a spelling bee champion, they're trying to live their life through their kids. And I often wonder, 
do these kids really want to do that? Mm-hmm. So, and I had to ask my, like I told my mom, I, I didn't want to be a Boy Scout. I ended up becoming an Eagle Scout. But at one point in time, I was like tired of it. I was tired of going to the meetings. I was tired of the football practice. And I, I didn't become an Eagle till like senior year. So I was like, I was definitely done with it. I should have finished at like 14. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's when I should have been done. But I was just tired of it. But I'm, I, I'm, I'm glad that my mom made me keep going. And she, she encouraged me. But that wasn't for any of her own success right that was for me to learn and grow and to learn teamwork and to work in different environments and and different with just different people so i needed that 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 type of growth but when you're talking about singing dancing performing youtube whatever it may be i mean if this kid likes to sing if this kid likes to dance yeah that that may be a part of who they are but what about all the other parts that we're ignoring when they're getting all the accolades and they're getting all the congratulations and the followers and the people that want them i mean every, i'm not gonna say every but i'm saying majority of all the child actors performers or, or whatever it may be have all had some type of drug related issue emotional related issue not been able to just um, transition into adulthood well yeah, because relationships relationship of course because no one has ever sat them down and gave them that love that nurturing and affection from a young age you know when you're making you know millions of dollars and you're 10 years old you got grown people that's willing to grovel at your feet mm-hmm. so you get accustomed and you become entitled to like i'm no i'm you're supposed to you know interact with me and you create all these divas and you create you know, there's that diva mentality and that diva personality. So, um, well, you become, you know, from a theological perspective, you become God. Like yeah. You, you become the center of the universe, Absolutely. literally, figuratively, financially. Absolutely. And that's, that's what I mean. in none of that in and of itself is, is wrong, mm-hmm. but scripture says, seek first the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be added to you. Absolutely. So we get it reversed. We try to add the success is adding all the things mm-hmm. and then we'll, you know, be in tune with God and peace and find yeah. peace and happiness. It doesn't work that way. And it's like, no, like we have to teach these kids that if they're doing it for, uh, you know, to help other people, if they're doing it because they feel good about it, if they want to do it. And I get it. It's a fine line. I mean, you know, Grady plays violin and he wants to quit every other day. Mm-hmm. And last night we had a soccer tryout thing for his elite thing. It's not a trial, but it's like a assessment of how he, how he grew over the year. And, and uh, before he, he was leaving, he knew he had earned some Nintendo time and, and Jude and I were going to stay at home. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he was like, is Jude going to get to play Nintendo? And I was like, no, man, he doesn't have any time. Like he's little. And he's like so worried about that. that he's like, I don't want to go to soccer. And I'm mm-hmm. like, no, you're going to go to soccer, you know, and that's, that's your job. Your job is to go to soccer, do the best you can. And when you get back, if you earned it, you earned it. He's like about to cry and then he gets in the bedroom and like we're trying to put his clothes on and he's like, I don't want to go. And I said, okay, well, here's your choice. You cannot go and then just never play soccer again because this is a requirement of playing, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, fine. And he went and did great, you know, gotcha. it was great. But my point is, is like, it's that balance of, we, you know, he's seven years old. Mm-hmm. Do I trust his instinct to know what's good for him? Right? No, Mm-mm. I don't trust that he yeah. knows what's good for him. I want to listen. I want to validate. I want to empathize. And I said, man, I see, I know you want to play Nintendo. I know you want to stay home. It's the summer. I know you're burnout. This is the last thing though. And then we get eight weeks of a break. Absolutely. So do you think you can do it? Right. I didn't tell him he has to, mm-hmm. I didn't say, no, get your clothes on. I just said, you're, you got a choice. You can, we cannot go and we'll just quit soccer. Cause that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Or we can choose to do it. And you know, he thought for a second was like, I don't, but I think so many, like you said, so many parents 
are pushing kids into sports that because of their own agenda. Yeah. And and the reason we know that is just go sit at a baseball field oh, yeah. and watch how the parents act in the stands. Yeah. So I, I I got two things. So I was watching uh, uh, King Richard, mm-hmm. and that's a story like Venus and Serena Williams with, with my girls. Um, and what he said, the tennis parents were the worst because the way that they belittled their kids when they messed up, the way they talked – talk badly to their kids because it costs so much money to play mm-hmm. and to participate. These kids, I mean, these parents were taking it personal. So Expectations. This, is, this is for the parents. Before you push your kids to do anything, make sure they have a proper foundation. And God and themselves and the relationships that they have, because if not, you're going to build this house on shaky foundation whenever they get this little bit of success from whether it's um, basketball or soccer or whatever it may be, when they get those accolades, that's what they're going to live for. Mm-hmm. And that's all they're going to live for. And if we look at all the retired and former athletes, you're, I mean, you're going to retire at what, 25 to, tw- to 30 as an athlete. And if that's all you've ever had, you have nothing else. You don't have a foundation in anything. You're lost in the world. So um, I think all parents, we have to look at how do we develop the balance and develop an entire child opposed to just this this kid that's very skilled in this one thing. That's cool if they're skilled at that's one thing. Let's let's figure that out. Let's let's get them. Let's push them. But are they a well rounded and well balanced child? As yeah, well? absolutely. That's so good. You know, one of the major issues with baseball is uh, I was talking to a PT because I was working on my shoulder, and she was saying, um, she said the two things. This is crazy, but the two things that are so prominent, and as as she's working on adults and doing dry needling is uh that are problematic breast implants and um baseball shoulders and she said women that are getting the culture that she's seeing is for a generation of women getting breast implants that are small women that their lower back problem is happening Mm -hmm. and we could get into a whole dialogue i'm not saying that's good or bad i'm just saying we don't pay attention to what how it's going to affect us years later just like a little boy throwing a baseball or a girl throwing a softball right throws out their shoulder and then for this success or this immediate gratification, we have this long-term consequence, Absolutely. which again, I'm not against women getting breast implants and I'm not against kids playing baseball, but we have to, as a culture, look at why are we doing that? Mm-hmm. And if the why is not appropriate and actually healthy for us, then there, cause there's going to be long-term consequences. Yeah. If you filter that and talk through that and resource that and say, is this actually going to make me feel better? Is this actually going to give me the right type of, value and mental health mm-hmm. and support as a child or a young young adult mm-hmm. then great do it yeah but make choices based on what you know the consequences are going to be mm-hmm. so that when the consequences come you can live with it yeah and i absolutely. think that's so important for our kids to understand like hey you have this thing yeah you can dye your hair purple mm-hmm. yeah you can do this thing yeah you can have the surgery yeah you can play sports Yes, you can go to camp. Yes, you can skip camp. Yes, you can whatever the thing is that they're wanting to do. Mm-hmm. But we have to teach them that it's not isolated to this one moment. Yeah. That there are long-term consequences and, and teach them to think through. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the uh, the the, uh, the other side of the impulsive teens that we have is that they just can make these decisions rapid fire, mm-hmm. not thinking about the long-term consequences. At a teen age where they don't even know that forever is a thing. So that's 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 when I take it still back to the parents when you raise your kids to participate in these sports and you don't think about all the life lessons that you learn from sports. I'm just thinking about my one kid. My kid needs to excel. I'm going to make sure my kid is okay. He has all all the right equipment, all the best equipment, all the greatest equipment. But what about 
the teamwork? What about the camaraderie? What about the relationships that you that you learn? What about learning how to deal with adversity? What about overcoming? Like there's so many life lessons that's taught through sports. We only think about our particular kid excelling and doing well. Mm-hmm. So uh, parents, we, we, we have to do, a, I think we have to do a better job of looking at all the lessons that our kids are supposed to learn when they play soccer, when they play tennis, when they play basketball, when they play golf, whatever it is. There's so many more lessons to learn just besides just your your own kids' personal success. Because, I mean, I mean, 1% of, not, I don't even know if it's 1%. I think it's one, less now. Yeah. Less, less than 1% of the kids who, who play these sports will ever become professional athletes or be able to take care of their household by, by playing a, a sport on a professional level. But the teamwork, the camaraderie, the be, being able to, deal with adversity and knowing how to come up against conflict and, and overcoming, those are going to be life lessons that they can always use. They're going to always be able to go back to that. So um, I think there just has to be a shift, you know, in what's important for your kids' growth, not for this particular sport and for them to, you know, get a scholarship or whatever the case may be. What's important for your own kids' growth, you know? Yeah, it's so good. Putman Restoration is a proud sponsor of the Asking Why podcast. Putman Restoration specializes in commercial disaster services, including water damage, fire, smoke, mold, and storm. Their goal and desire is to get your properties up and running as soon as possible after disaster strikes. Hospitals, schools, hotels, and large municipal buildings, malls, churches, and large commercial properties are their specialty. Manage properties nationwide? No problem. Putman Restoration services their clients nationwide. They are strategically partnered with elite restoration companies throughout the U.S. and Canada, giving their clients resources during disasters where normal companies would be tapped out. Trust the professionals at Putman Restoration when disaster strikes. Visit them online at www.putmanrestoration.com or give them a call at 318-453-5029. It's not an all or nothing mentality either, Mm -hmm. right? It's not throwing out sports or throwing out music or throwing out anything. It's recognizing that if you don't build that foundation, like you said, Mm -hmm. then when they, they're going to fail. Absolutely. Like life is going to happen. People blow out knees. People blow Mm -hmm. out shoulders. People have issues. People get cancer. People, Mm -hmm. right? If you build your whole life on your worth and value coming from an external source, whether that's your beauty or your looks or your ability or or your grades. And I want to talk about that for a second. Like I don't remember when we were kids. I mean, I know grades were important and education is important. But I, do you see like an increase in anxiety and obsession from your teens that you see just on like 4.0s and, and getting into school? Yeah, that's, that's it's mainly – so we have, we have magnet schools here in, in Shreveport, and that's an idea that's put on them in those magnet programs. They're supposed to be very rigorous, get them college ready, get them prepared, so on and so forth. And these kids are being stressed out trying to compete with their friends trying to be top, you know, want to be top in the class, so on and so forth. And that truly doesn't even matter. You know, you, you, I, I saw a, um, there was a, there was a, um, it's a, a big Facebook thing going on about how uh, a kid wasn't able to be the top person in the class. And I'm like, in 10 years, then three years and two years, that won't even matter. Yeah. You know, um, but it's like, nobody's it, ever asked me what my GPA is. No, or what, what rank you had in, in your class. That, that doesn't matter. It doesn't get you a job. You know, you're ranking in your class. No. Um, but schools have done a um, – they're doing what they're supposed to do. 
You know, schools are doing exactly what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to get a kid academically prepared to succeed in the future. But they place that's the only emphasis that they place on, on these kids. And I think it takes parents doing what they're supposed to do to provide the balance for them. Yeah. So for me, what I, what I tell all my clients is let's not worry about the grade that your kid gets. The grades are important. I'm not saying that they're not important, but the grades are important. But is your kid trying their best? Are they going are they are they preparing? Are they are they learning? Are they learning the concept? Can they actually do the concept? Because yeah, I see so many C students that are wildly successful in their adult life and I see so many A students that struggle to find a way because all they know is just education, how to learn things, but they don't understand how to apply. Mm -hmm. I need to you need also need to learn how to apply what you're learning. So uh And that happens in the home. Absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, I'm not saying schools can't do a better job, you know, of, of teaching emotional health. We talked about this before. Mm. I think there should be classes on taxes. There should be classes on emotional health. There should mm. be classes on, you know, how to cope and how to deal with things, of course. But those are still going to be one class a week in one semester of school. Absolutely. You're not going to be able to do one every class, every situation. Mm -hmm. However, it starts in the home with a mother and a father raising their kid, discipling their kid to, uh, integrate all the teachings of school all the teachings of life into the relational part of how they're yeah. going to do things so go just to go back schools are doing what they're supposed to do schools right. are supposed to educate they're not supposed to do all those things that's not the the that's not the area that they're supposed to serve in parents do have to step up in that department and do those things and for some parents just to be completely honest with you if you're working if you have multiple kids, if you other, if if you have a spouse or don't have a spouse in the house and they're working, it's hard to give your kid everything that they need mm -hmm. because you may not know because you hadn't gone to therapy and figured out what you need in your own personal life. So um, the stress is, I can just tell you, is unbearable for a lot of the kids. They don't they don't necessarily understand why they have to, you know, take algebra. I still have never used any algebraic <laughs> expression or anything linear equation you know in, in my professional life and um and it's it's like i, I just tell them hey we, we're just trying to see if you have the ability to learn this so that's the motivation but kids are stressed completely out by the academic requirements uh not not the academic requirements but i think the culture of what the schools are trying to promote because these schools want their want these a ratings want the want to brag about the kids going to this school and getting accepted in this school and all the scholarship money that these kids have gotten but they're they're but is that making good humans is my question no right? it's not and that's what we were talking about last i was talking about last week and we talked about a mm -hmm. few months ago you know what is a good human i think yeah. you listed it earlier like knowing who god says you are Right. Knowing who God says other people are mm -hmm. and being, being able to emotionally be aware and, and available and relate and mm -hmm. reciprocal relationships with the other humans, whether you're Absolutely. in a job, in a sport, in another situation. Mm -hmm. And that's something that many of us weren't taught. It's not the blame game. It's not to blame the school. It's not to blame parents. Yeah. But it's to what, open people's eyes to the, the why. Mm -hmm. Right. The, the, the root cause is that we're, we're not discipling from a young age. And not discipling isn't going to church and hoping the church teaches them, mm -hmm. right? Bringing them on a Wednesday night or a Sunday and going, well, they need to teach my kid how to be a good human because there's no other avenues in which that's happening. Mm -hmm. It's not happening at sports. It's not happening at school. It's not happening at, you know, whatever the, the cultural worldly view is, is 
to teach them how to be a good human and interact. There's portions of those things, like you said, in sports that teaches them how to be a team. Mm -hmm. But does our culture really emphasize team or is the culture really emphasizing my kid in this sport? Absolutely. And you know, even at church is, is the, is the thing there to teach them about how to interact with each other? Is it to entertain them and tell them a story and send them home? Yeah. Yeah. So that leaves the home to do that. Absolutely. And we're not taught to do it. And mm-hmm. so we don't go to therapy and heal so we can learn to do it. And so these kids are not being taught that in any area. Absolutely. There's a sprinkle of it. Yeah. And so the success part that I'm frustrated with and that I want to just kind of talk out loud about is just that is just, we have to rewire as parents, our own view of success mm-hmm. because we're communicating a false narrative to our kids. That's partially true. Yes. You want to make some good money. Yes. You want to excel. Yes. You want to make good grades but that's not going to guarantee you peace and happiness. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the piece that everybody just forgets about. Nobody talks about happiness and, and it's really because a lot of people aren't happy and they don't know what their own happiness is. They haven't done the work to identify those things. Um, so of course kids are going to grow up just searching and grabbing and, and latching the things. So when you talk about the followers and when you talk about, um, the social media stuff that represents happiness to me because 100%. you know uh, I get likes. Somebody likes me. Somebody said that I was attractive. Somebody said that I was beautiful. Somebody somebody liked what I had to say. So and and that feels good. That's the dopamine comes out, and I'm I want to continue to do this over and over again in order to receive that feeling, receive that validation. But we can we can teach our kids to validate them th- themselves. Yes. and we have to validate our kids. So man, I, I, and not I, based on what they do like for example what i've been trying to switch is telling telling grady and jude aren't you so proud of yourself yeah instead of me always being proud Mm -hmm. like we got home from soccer and i said man aren't you so proud of yourself that you went you tried really hard yeah i'm proud of you either way yeah absolutely i love you either way absolutely but man aren't you so proud of yourself absolutely and again that's just a little switch and i don't always do that i try to remember to but it's that little man you god sees you for who you are and it's not based on if you did good at soccer or not absolutely Absolutely. Um, what what I was going going to add to that, I, I think that internal validation that that the kids get from their parents um, needs to be just as strong as when we reprimand our kids. There's no Stronger. balance. Yeah. There's no balance. Like we can point out every flaw every time our kid mess up. Every time our kid does something wrong, and, and it's the thing, parents, if you're looking for wrong, if you're looking for bad, if you're looking for mess ups, you're going to find them. Mm-hmm. You're just going to find them. So you need to give your kids some balance and praise them for the things that they're doing well and excelling at because that identity that they're getting, that foundation that you're laying down, they're already beating themselves up. They're already anxious. They're already trying to compete with people that on the internet that are just showing human highlight reels that that don't exist. They're trying to compete with Alex who has a whole team that we never get to see on YouTube and they're trying to recreate that and they're they're mad and they're, they're struggling because they can't do that same thing. So we have to when you lay out the, the 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 areas of improvement for our kids, you also need to talk about areas that they're excelling at and things that you're proud of them of because we're so e- it's so easy to do that because we're frustrated. Let's just be honest, man. Like I, I passed up Sam's Sam's Club trying to get gas one morning when I dropped the girls off to for uh, summer school. The gas was like three eighty nine. I was like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna get some gas. As soon as I came back. That gas was like four fifteen. I said, "How did it jump up forty cents?" So that I was like, "I, I got to okay, 
I can't worry about that. I can't be upset by that. But you have so many parents that are being triggered by how the economy is going and how their life is not panning out the way it is supposed to go, how their career isn't going the way it's supposed to go. And then you're imparting it on your kids. You're projecting your feelings of, of not being where you want to be in your life on your kids. And they're the most beautiful thing that you created. They yeah. have the ability to do whatever they want to do in life and whatever they decide to do, but they're going to need you to encourage them and support them. Yeah, man. I think that's a great point. And I would like to jump on that train for a second in what we talk about around our kids. Mm -hmm. I think, I think our parents did a decent job of our generation. Well, one, there wasn't as much to talk about, right? Our parents weren't on their phone looking at catastrophe after catastrophe and then talking about it in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. There might've been a big thing that they heard. They talk about it a couple of times, they move on. But because our generation of parents have a phone and they're constantly looking at all this stuff that the media is putting out and they're constantly discussing, Hey, did you see that so-and-so was a shooting? Hey, did you see there was another shooting in Shreveport? Yeah. Hey, do you see our neighborhood got broken into? Hey, do you see this? This is ridiculous. Blah, 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 blah. Our kids are sitting at the thing at the table eating, listening to that. Yeah. And just not only are they, they taking it in from their school and their culture and then their kids are bringing it to school. We hear this all the time. Our kids go to the same school. If something will happen and then they're talking about it. Yep. And that's normal. It's always been the case. Mm -hmm. But the rate in which it's happening. And so I would encourage parents to be very careful about what they talk about and how they talk about it around their kids. Mm -hmm. Just around them. Because they are listening to everything that you say. Um, and you know they they pick it up and they they mimic it and then anxiety 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 absolutely and so i just think that uh we have to be more mindful about what we're exposing them to in our own life and and so i'm going to add i'm i'm not going to tell you parents don't talk about this stuff to your kid because i honestly feel like this is where our parents didn't do yeah. the 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 best it's how we're going to communicate and how like being tactful mm. and how we explain what's taking place with our kids um, I don't I don't think our kids deserve to be in the blind or, or dump, especially when you have like middle schoolers like they're they're going to see it eventually. Right. But they need to know what your thought is, how how to perceive this, how to understand this. And I think there's a tactful way of going about it, considering that you don't want to send this kid to school with all this anxiety and all this this doom and gloom. And they now have to take the leap test. Or they now have to take some math or science test. That's going to that's going to work against them and performing the best that they can. So um, be tactful in how we how we have these conversations with our kids. Yes, explain it to our to our kids on what's going on because they need to see. And and, and another thing, um, you, you, parents, you don't got to be perfect, man. You you don't got to be perfect. You don't got to get this thing right. Like this this is something that we're working towards every day. So it's important to have real conversations around your kids so they can hear them and know how to resolve you know conflicts and so on and so forth because where else would you learn that but we don't have to expose them to all the the dirty deeds and all the dirty details of of what took place you know so that's good um it's, it's a balance man it's, it's it's life is about balance man yep and i think people have such a hard time find like you're when you say balance we're not going to get balance guys gals mm -hmm. we're not we're, we're going to strive for balance yeah but like whether it's your physical your physical health whether your emotional health whether it's your financial health whatever the health is you're striving for balance in you're going to get to a place where if you're in tune financially you probably aren't you're working more you're probably not going to the gym as much mm -hmm. if you're going to the gym all the time right i mean it's yeah. constantly in flux or at least that's what i see in clients in my own life is 
you know, oh, you know, moving this kind of dance back and forth. Yeah. And again, like you said, our worth and value is not based on if we have a six pack at this point. Mm-hmm. Should we work out and to stay healthy because it makes us feel better? Absolutely. Absolutely. Should we, you know, strive for good grades? Should we do a good job at our work? Should we work? Absolutely. Absolutely. But do we need to take vacation? Yeah. Yeah. Do we need to obsess about what we eat? And if we, if we gained a pound or here, no, like it's that we put these idols in our lives to obsess about as if those things, if we get them and we finally hit that number, we're going to feel good Mm -hmm. and we don't, Yeah. we hit the number and then we just build another ladder to climb where there's nothing at the top of it. And we're teaching our kids to do that. Yeah. So that's, uh, I just want to talk about punishment in that because we, 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 um, we gotta, we gotta set, what is the goal? And, and and this is even for our kids because, you know, we can ground our kids. And then when you ground your kid and you don't let them know how long they're grounded for, they're going to just continue to cut up and they're just going to continue to push it and push it and push it. We have to be able to set goals and stay firm on them and, and tell our kids what the expectation is. And it just takes better communication. So that's one thing I work on with my clients is what are we communicating to our kids? Because when you get rolled up at work, you know exactly what you did. Mm-hmm. You know exactly what the problem is. And, and if you don't take care of it in this amount of time, what the corrective action plan will be, so on and so forth. But with our kids, we just give them this ambiguous, you're grounded. You're in trouble. Like, when, when is this end? So um, we have to do a better job of just communicating and, and letting them know what the expectations are, what the goals are. And when they meet them, congratulate them. Let's, let's not keep putting them... Pushing the thing, pushing the uh, the mark back, the mile marker back. Yep. Once they hit it, they hit it. Like let them know. Yeah, and I would say do that daily. Absolutely. You know, not you know one of the. I know we're getting into parenting tips of discipline. I like that, but you know one of the things I, I and it's cheesy, but it's like a behavior plan, a rules chart, a rewards mm-hmm. and rule, rewards and consequences chart. Yep. You know what times the trash need to be out every day. I'm mm-hmm. talking about teenagers especially. Yeah. You know not just that they should take the trash out, but when should it be out? Absolutely. And what's the consequence going to be if it's not? Absolutely. And then that consequence being enforced, not emotionally. Yeah. All that is not hard, but it's hard in the systems that we've created for our families mm-hmm. because we don't slow down enough to have the time to yeah. do it. The schools give them three hours worth of homework. You know, we got 14 baseball practices and soccer practices and violin practices. We got to go here and here. Usually husband or wife is not home or 55, 6% of us don't even have a husband and wife in the mm-hmm. home. So I get it. It's not easy, mm-hmm. but we all have to st- take a moment and do the next right thing. Yeah. Do the things that we can control. And so much of what I see in our offices and outside of it is people trying to spend energy talking and debating and, and, fantasizing about things they have zero control over absolutely and doing no effort and work in the things that they actually can't control Mm -hmm. and so what i want people to hear from from us in this podcast is encouragement that you have a lot of power just doing the simple right things Mm -hmm. and a lot of times we don't know what those are Mm -hmm. and if we don't if you don't know what those are and you feel helpless get some help and because i want to end with the idea of community none of this happens none of this is going to get fixed two things one without the holy spirit without the power of god coming in without us praying and asking god to come in and when we feel hopeless and we feel desperate to realize that's exactly where he wants us because then he can fill us and do the work himself absolutely that's the primary and then second it has to be in community Mm. you know you you call me and i call you if there's a problem with our kids or we have a question about something or something comes up Mm -hmm. and then we 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 rule out like should we do this should i do this should i keep here right we do that stuff with our other friends, people call us and we talk them through things. Yeah. We have community. We don't just feel like we got to handle it all ourselves mm-hmm. 
and and that a good parent does it all on her own. Mm-hmm. You know, you do not get a medal or a reward for not asking for help. Absolutely. And so we have got to see ourselves as worthy and valuable and lovable and capable. Mm-hmm. And if we have to ask for help, that doesn't change. Yeah. That, like you said, we don't have to be perfect. Mm-mm. And so we need friends and people in our lives who they believe that about themselves. So they believe it about you. So when you say, man, I really screwed up this week or man, I really dropped the ball in this. They go, no problem. You're still a good mother. You're still a good father. Let Absolutely. me help you out. Yeah. But what I see is blog after blog, post after post of just shaming and complaining and yeah. all isolated. So with shame, shame actually like kills empathy. Mm-hmm. When I'm shame about something, I have no, no, I can't empathize with you on your on whatever situation. And when we shame our kids, you should have did better. Why you didn't do this? You're always messing up. You're just so bad. When you shame your kid, that's when you're starting to break down the communication with them. They're going to isolate from you. They're not going to open up to you. They're not going to be transparent with you. So parents, we we, we just got to be mindful of how we're talking to our kids. Yeah, we got to talk to them, you know, rough sometimes just to capture their attention. But after that, we got to back down off of that and, and remind them about who they are and be careful not to shame them. Because when you do that, you're losing them. Mm-hmm. And they're already feeling so much more shame from their pe- like middle school and high school is just tough, period. So they're feeling shame from not being able to perform in the classroom the right way, not being able to perform on the field, on the court the right way, um, not being accepted in the right peer groups, um, pay- uh, teachers saying that they're not getting it, they're not good enough, so on and so forth. They have to find a place where they can feel encouraged and uplifted, and that should be in the household. Yeah, man, I think – Another tip would be the like you said earlier, but I call it the catch them doing good sheet. Yeah. Right. You should have a list of things that you've told them that they're doing good mm-hmm. before you're saying those bad things. And I think it shouldn't be equal. I think it should be way more. Yeah. Your kids should be able, if you ask them, hey, what are what are some positive things I think about you? Mm-hmm. They should be able to tell you. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I try to do this thing with Grady and Jude where I say, hey, I want to tell you three things I love about you this week. Mm-hmm. And I try to pick, you know, things they did that week that were their personality, that were God working in them, that was a kindness, that was a goodness, and I try to just label that for them yeah. before they go to sleep. Hey, I just want to let you know I love you because you're funny. I love you because you're you're uh, really kind to Jude today when you did this. Mm-hmm. Like, I love you because you're my son. Not because you do those things, but I love seeing God work in you Absolutely. in those things. Absolutely. And, and so they can name it. And I, I mean, Look, I don't do that every night, but I do it a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, And that's if I can remember to do it 20 out of the 30 days of the month, yeah, I missed 10 days, mm-hmm. but man, they're going to remember it. But Absolutely. if I did it one day out of the month and the rest of the month is me, me being like, why you got to grab your brother's face? Don't push him. Don't yeah. touch him. Why didn't you pick your clothes up? Why'd you do this again? Stop doing, you know I mean? That becomes the bulk of who they see you and what your relationship is. And when we, we just continue to do that month after month, year after year, good Lord, three years worth of negative talk and conversation. You might not have said you're a terrible kid, but you That's communicated it. Mm-hmm. And then they come in our office and they're like, and it manifests. Oh it manifests man, in their head, like that's what, that's the voice they hear. Yeah, like literally, what you say to your kids will be the voice that they go to school with, that they go around their friends with, that they go to work with, that they become an adult with. That's the voice. So yeah, like it's 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 that's the root of the anxiety and the depression. It is absolutely. They, they don't just make that up. Mm-hmm. They hear the narrative that we as a culture, that the movies, the things we, we allow them as adults to grow up with, tell them what's going to make success in their life. Mm-hmm. And, and it's on this like nice edge, man. These kids that are like, I got to have a 4.0 because 
Because if I mess up one class, if I mess up one test, if I get one GPA lower, my whole life is wrecked. Yeah. And they, so many of them believe that. Yeah. You know, I had a, a client, you know, last year, and she had a full ride, 4.3, already in the school, and having panic attacks about taking the test. I'm like, you're already in. Yeah. You already got the letter. You're, but no, I, I got to do this because if I'm not valedictorian or whatever, then I'm not going to get in this school and be able to go to this master's. And then it's like, so we had to talk through it. Yeah. And I'm like, so what do you, what, if you become that thing, that career, what do you think is going to be happy about that? Because that career actually has the highest suicide rate yeah. in all careers. Yeah. And she was like, what? Mm. So we had this two, three sessions around like, what do you think is you're going to get? And, and they don't even think about it. Mm-mm. We don't take them through. What is that that you're trying to achieve? The consequences for the choices or the, um, yeah, for, 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 for achieving whatever it is you're going for. There's a consequence for whatever you're doing. If you want to be a doctor, prepare to be busy. Right. Prepare to be able to leave your family whenever you got to leave your family. Yeah, you're going to make a whole bunch of money. But when are you going to spend it? Because you're going to always be needed at the hospital. You're working 12s. You could be working 15s and 18s, so on and so forth. Yeah, you could get called away for your birthday party or Absolutely. for your kids, whatever. At any time. So it's, it's always a consequence for anything that we deem to be successful. Yeah, and I think when, when you get there to whatever it is, knowing you made the choice with all the information that you could have, mm-hmm. then you can live with the consequences. Absolutely. Because you go, I knew this was going to be the case. My wife knew this was going to be the case. We integrated that into what, how we were going to do our life. So when we got here we could still have connection we still have life we could still do the things we want to do mm-hmm. i take appropriate time off i know i'm gonna take more you know i'm gonna take months off in the year more than anybody else because i make enough to do that but something's got to move around absolutely and what happens is we don't talk about that people wind up being a doctor they don't take a year off they don't see their kids or they become a professional athlete mm-hmm. you know i was thinking about that a couple of years ago we went to watch the remember who it was. Oh, Arizona Diamondbacks because I was at a training. And uh, I just sat there thinking, these guys play 200 and something games a year. Mm-hmm. And plus practices, plus spring training. When do they see their kids? You know, like when do they when do they get to chill and relax? And like, and I'm not saying that's good or bad. It's just most of them end up there thinking, oh, I'm going to make good money. My kid will never need for anything. Yeah. They'll never, they'll be, I'll be successful. They'll be able to go to whatever school they want. Then they'll fall in the footsteps and be successful. It's like, yeah, but they didn't have a father. Yeah. They didn't have nurturing. They didn't have they somebody there. Yeah. You weren't at their baseball games, their practices. You weren't at the you weren't there to sit down with them when they came home from school because a bully picked on them mm-hmm. because somebody called them whatever name that they called them. Like yeah. that's the stuff that people come into our offices and talk about. And that that's kind of what I wrap up. Like I've never had anybody and you can tell me of this. I've never had anybody as an adult, 20 and up, come in here and go, "Okay, what I'm here to talk about today is what my dad or mom did and how they messed up and they apologized for it along the way and they repaired when they messed up and they kept messing up and they did some other things but they apologized and then they helped me see and they worked through those things with me and then they messed up again right so what i'm saying is is like like you said you don't have to be a perfect parent what you have to do is repair the rupture Mm -hmm. constantly and be an authentic parent to say, look, I acknowledge that I messed up. I acknowledge Absolutely. that I screwed up. I'm going to screw up. And guess what? I'm going to keep screwing up. And when you bring me the stuff I screwed up in that I'm not aware of now, I'm going to apologize for that yeah. too because I want us to have a good relationship. Yeah. And people come, what people come into here to deal with is all the symptoms from a parent never apologizing, yep. never taking responsibility, mm-hmm. never taking ownership 
that they were instilling and being responsible for these broken things. They, they don't take ownership of being part of the problem. Exactly. They just see their kid as the problem, and they're here to correct the problem. So, yeah, they, you're absolutely right, Clint. Yeah, so, so my point to that for y'all listening is you don't have to be perfect. Take a deep breath. I know this is nuanced and, and a tough conversation, and a lot of us are like, oh, I don't have the resources for all that. You don't have to. What you have to do is talk with your kids about what's true and, and be authentic and open and connect and teach them that that is what success is. Success is me and you being able to talk, to share our feelings without shame, without invalidation, without you know getting hit, without getting yelled at. And as we do that together as two human beings, God is going to work in that to bring good to those that love him. And we've got to learn to get back to that in our parenting, in our relationships We do. You, you, like I was just hearing you, man, and it's like I just need I need that sound bite to play every time my parents come in, so they can hear <laughs> that. You know, they they need to hear that, man. Um, parents, just be just be grace. We got to learn to give ourselves grace because you don't have it all together. Let's not portray like we do, but we also got to learn to give our kids who are not fully developed the grace as well. So. Um, Hey, man, this is a good one, Clint. Yeah, I'm excited I'm about this I'm glad we recorded one. this one. Absolutely. I love you, man. Love you too, brother. You're a good dad. Good Thank friend. Thank you, man. Same to you. Yeah. Man, I learned a lot from you, Clint. I don't know if you – I don't always tell you, but I, I watch a lot of things that you do and I, like, implement. So the talks that, that we have, like, I might not tell you all the time. I know I tell you sometimes, but the talks that we have, I try to implement them in my household. So when you said, uh, like, today on this podcast, uh, aren't you proud of yourself? That's a nugget. I got it. <laughs> I got it. Well, I appreciate I it, man. That's great. Glory to God. He's he's uh, he's the one who is working through all of my mess and all of our stuff. And I don't do it perfectly or all right. And I make mistakes, and and I make amends. You Absolutely. know, uh, with you, with people, with friends, with parents, with my own kids. You know, all we can do is when we find ourselves making a mistake, is to say, "Hey, I'm really sorry. I take responsibility for that, and I'm a shift and try my best not to do that again." Mm-hmm. But I'm probably going to, and if I do, I need you to forgive me and work in me. And I think that's the thing is for our kids to learn trust in us that we're not going to do it right, but if we do it wrong, we're going to acknowledge it, mm-hmm. validate that experience for them, and we're going to move forward. Absolutely. Good stuff, man. Absolutely. All right, thanks, you guys, for listening. Please like, subscribe, follow, share, do all the things that you can to help this podcast uh, reach more people to help the culture, right? It's not about um, – and me getting any credit or us getting me and Hasim getting any credit or any other guests. It's about having good conversations, getting to the root of problems so that our culture can find some solutions that so much of the podcast, so much of the book, so much of the things that we, we have out there that seem so good and are so popular are just band-aids over bullet holes or just these, this behavior modification that works for a little while gets really popular because it's easy and has a quick fix, but man, you got to find another book, mm-hmm. right? If we had a book, that we could write that gave all the answers. And and some people would say they're Christians. Well, the Bible, the Bible's got all the answers. And it, it's not an answer book. It's a, it's a book about the relationship and the nuance and the difficulty of life with God. And yes, it has answers in it. It has you know truth in it. And we need to be reading that to integrate that into all the other truth. But ultimately, it's, it's an ongoing process that we're in. And, and none of us have all the answers. I certainly don't. And even if there was a book, there wasn't a book written about your kid. Exactly. So you can read all the books you want to read. 
but they're not going to teach you how to raise your kid. Your kid is unique. Your kid is beautiful. Your kid is going to be, you know, great with whatever they want to be in life. But you got to instill those things in your kid first. Amen. All right. God bless you guys. Y'all have a good week.